Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. The Economist coming to you live on this edition for V for Velas, where we bring you the news, the views, and all the information important to you. CJ somewhere. We're just waiting for CJ to show up. I know I sent the link out to him. Anyway, folks, with that being said, Velas is here. You can find him over at roguenews.com, especially on the Discord. If you haven't been in the Discord, email CJ. He'll get you in. And with that being said, Velas, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Good morning, V. How are you doing? Good, man. Hanging in there. How's everything? Doing good. Got blue skies, and we yeah, got Easter coming up this weekend for those of you who are uh, Western Christians. And for Eastern Christians, it's it's next Sunday. Yeah. And uh, happy uh, happy Ramadan to, uh, or the auspicious occasion of Ramadan to many of you out there. Absolutely. So let's talk about inflation. <laughs> Yes, there is, got, you, 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 this is the Putin inflation. Let's talk about the Putin price hike, man. Right, because, <laughs> uh, God, it was like under Trump's administration, everything was the Russians, and uh, it's the Russians again. Um, it, it's the Russians, man. It's all the Russians. So, so we, have, we have two inflation items on today's show. This is the first one. Uh, the second will be my coverage of some things I saw um, on a recent drive across America recently. Um, Carl Denninger. Uh, of the website Market Ticker, uh, I've posted some of his oh, stuff yeah, on Discord. Realized uh, inflation, folks, in March is actually eighteen percent, not what you've been seeing on the news. So, uh, whatever the mainstream media has been saying is a flat-out lie, uh, as it often is. Um, the other thing is, is the mainstream media has been saying inflation has peaked. Uh, that's no again. Um, we have to keep in mind the producer price index or PPI, those costs are delayed, uh, in hitting the current inflation figure because that's what manufacturers are dealing with right now. That hasn't made its way into various products and things. Um, Carl also believes the moves by the Lords of finance, shall we say at this point is, is that they have few options. It will include, and I quote, they've got a stomp on this with much higher rates and very strong pulls of liquidity, meaning balance sheet reductions, uh, or as he put it, and this is Carl Tennant's words, not mine, the entire social fabric of the nation is at risk of collapse. <laughs> so um, he also pointed out another sidebar, which was um, when you dig into the um, financial activity out there, uh, another Another thing that's taking place is more and more people are now being blocked from moving out of their states uh, due to high interest rates. So yeah. that's also going to, in my opinion, lead to some serious I, I mean, social you the double whammy. Companies. You have the double whammy of high, high housing costs with high interest rates. It's gotten tougher. Like you, if you didn't leave during 2020, you're going to have a harder time getting out in 2022. Well, and, 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 uh, you know, uh, Honor among thieves, V. I mean, you you took the the gutsy move to get out of where you were on the East Coast. Oh hell yeah! And and 
and join oh, us out yeah. and join us out here in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, good one, John Michael Carmen, uh, about the kid that was Russian. Um, so, uh, an interesting thought, everybody. Um, have any of you seen in the news lately, uh, or perhaps go back through some of the, the footage that's available on YouTube or similar? Um, you know, there's always an official following any U.S. president around who's carrying this this heavy briefcase. That's AKA the football. That's the um, it's a remote unit that allows the president to launch nuclear weapons if if necessary, or to authorize uh, a pre-planned launch. But you'll often hear people use the word uh, the football. Where's the football? Oh, that's the guy behind the president holding the football. Um, I don't see it. Other people have commented on this. Uh, that person doesn't appear to be anywhere. And if yeah, you do you know, see... That is ahead. true. That is true. You, you hit the nail on the head. I have not seen the uh, the running back carrying the football for Biden in any one of his uh, his uh, trips that he's been taking. But go ahead. And in typical Vela's fashion, my question would be, if you do see such a person carrying... It, it's bigger than a briefcase, folks. It's almost like one of those, those uh, big like lawyer portfolio bag kind of things. But, you know, this is, this is uh, kind of from my old life. Again, you have to look at their shoulder position and their arm. Uh, are they straining? Cause it's a heavy device. So it's like, are they straining under the weight of holding that thing or does it appear to be light? So that begs several questions. Um, if the football, cause I mean, literally if the president's in a meeting at the white house, according to quote unquote procedure, the president, whoever the president is, could be Jimmy Carter, is sitting in a meeting with their officials or what have you at the White House or, or wherever it may be, even if it's a classified meeting, the person with the football is supposed to be literally sitting out in the hallway. And they've got like a number two that, that uh, no joke intended, that if they need to go to the restroom or something, there's a person who can take over for them. But it's like you have to be within almost visual distance of the president at all times. So if that person is not around, at all um where is it and as the president and the congress and the state department and the department of defense in many many respects are out to lunch uh who's running the country <laughs> and from where uh per my show from two weeks ago uh, perhaps from the denver airport uh, who knows but this is kind of a serious thing if the if the football is not near the president it begs the question where is it and who has it and if they had the authority which I use that word loosely to say that that device is not to be near the president. It begs the question, then, then where is their authority coming from and who is that? And, you know, are they in fact running the country? Um, Mike Moore over at true pundit uh, covered the following this week. And I found it as usual, uh, both frightening and important. Um, he has documentation in his possession from, from his audience because uh, he was leafing through it as he was talking to everybody. Um, the U.S. government brought in local officials uh, and national officials from various states back in 2013, 2014 to take part in not a, not a exercise, not a tabletop planning, not a what if, but um, in what would be done if there was a pandemic outbreak. Now, this was led by Homeland Security, but all the normal names were there, including Health and Human Services, which, of course, the CDC uh, and others. Uh, they provided training courses both in Washington uh, as well as to folks as, as they went back to their various states. Um, 
the net of it being that it was so specific that if they had a bullet point about, okay, if event X occurs, then the response will be Z. Um, and it almost matches point for point what occurred in spring of 2020. And like I said, he has the presentation decks and the other supporting documents um, from this. So some of the takeaways of what was in this material, um, the likely scenario profiled in those years was an influenza or flu outbreak. Um, Next was local and state officials should comply with CDC and World Health Organization guidance. This was the direction they were giving in 2013, 2014. Uh, I would point out what I've said on the show a couple of times about there have been moves afoot to have the sovereignty of both the United States and other countries when it comes to health policies be handed over to the World Health Organization uh, in 2022 or 2023. They were talking about this in 2013, 2014. Uh, attendees were assured when such an event was to occur, there would be plenty of money available to local and state governments that will always get people to comply. Um, provided guidance on isolation versus quarantines of citizens and when to launch either of those approaches. Uh, inclusive of these approaches was the mindset around, quote unquote, things will move to virtual working environments for companies and government agencies. Uh, these sessions also provided legal guidance. Uh, for state and local officials to use to inform the public why they had to comply. Um, the narrative in many of these sessions was that vaccines alone will not be enough, so there needs to be massive social restrictions, much as we saw. Um, they provided attendees numerous draft documents for state and local officials to use, including sign-offs by doctors or public officials to speed up the process. Um, one of the takeaways for me on all of this was I had often wondered in spring 2020 into the summer of 2020, why so many state governors, especially in blue states, had resources in place quickly. They were either giving daily debriefings or what have you, but, but all of the machinery seemed to be in place. And given my own history working with government, my first thought was that seems uh, suspect because it normally takes a lot of time for even at the state level, for things to, to be put in place. Uh, and again, Australia seems to be the more extreme example uh, of what occurred versus what we had in the United States. So to round out this topic, um, you know, it continues to be my belief that Mike Moore's credibility uh, has more and more people providing him uh, non-public or, dare I say, classified material about what's going on. Uh, obviously, word is out that he can be trusted, um, especially given many, many of the things that he's disclosed including some of the things he was talking about um, late last year, earlier this year about HHS, which given my time with that agency, you know, dovetailed with what I saw or was hearing inside that agency when I was working there. So some observations across America, uh, V and CJ, hi CJ, uh, V and CJ um, were aware. The reason why I wasn't on the air last Friday was, is uh, I took a drive across the United States um, so that's why we had no, I had no show on, on April 8th. But my thanks to Crypto Cowboy and CJ for, for, uh, or for V and CJ for filling in for me. I, I caught that show while I was on the road. Yeah, it was very good. Um, I went down to New Mexico. Um, you all can read into that what you, <laughs> what you want. Um, but uh, the states I, I traveled through included New Mexico, part of West Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, Illinois, and a couple of other states. I, I probably traveled well over 3,000 miles uh, road trip, run trip. 
So on the inflation topic, and speaking of the transportation sector, uh, it's pretty obvious what's going on. It was so mind blowing. I mean, it would <laughs> about the second or third state I was driving through. I was commenting to one of the folks driving with me that I said, "I said, my God, we've reached the point. The aliens are landing right in front of us live on CNN. They're being so obvious about this." Every truck stop, folks, every major truck stop that I drove by, diesel was selling for $5.50 a gallon, in some cases, even $6. Yet, if you looked off the interstate at a little town that might be there or even a major city and looked at fuel prices, diesel was a dollar or more less every single time. And Truckers pay for fuel using fuel cards or their companies have a fuel account. So it was very obvious to me what was happening. I mean, if it was once or twice, that's one thing. But multiple states, every single time, no matter what state I was in, no matter what their state fuel taxes were, et cetera, I mean, it's a huge sample size. They're passing the higher prices on to the transport firms. And that means it's going to hit the businesses and and it eventually it's always going to land on the consumer's head. And like I said, it was 3000 miles round trip. This is completely intentional. They're driving up costs uh, everywhere they can. Now, a couple of sidebars on this. The first one is you'll see a lot of news out there saying diesel prices are dropping. Now there's some truth to that, depending on what state you're in. And I've seen it where I live. But um, this is another head fake. This is a classic misinformation. Have the prices dropped? Well, yes, but by how much? And more importantly, there's still a dollar or more difference per gallon across the United States. Now, is this as true with gasoline? Not so much, although I did see some, some deviation out there. But again, as I often say, diesel is a transportation fuel. Diesel is used for trains. It's used for ships. It's used for cargo trucks. So you can believe that this is still taking place because I just saw it last week. So it's like, well, diesel prices have dropped. Right. But if I'm standing outside, name any major truck stop in the United States, and I'm looking at those diesel prices versus the little town just within distance, are they in, in parallel to each other or is there still a $1.52 difference? The second thing I would point out is, is that complaints filed by truckers for coercion, and this is off of FreightWaves.com, as well as a couple other sources, uh, have gone from 800 filed complaints in 2021 to a projection this year of 2,000. And we have to keep in mind, it takes a lot for somebody to file a complaint in the industry because you don't want to really be, be marked as you know bad trucker. So the, the problem is actually much bigger. And supply chain pressures can lead to tired truckers, poorly maintained vehicles being forced to work, and that's not good. Equally, V, this reminds me of, of the news piece you did last week on one of your shows about the cargo plane, a broken half while landing oh, due yeah. to bad maintenance. So let me let me just pause on that point before I continue and ask V and CJ, you guys have any, any thoughts or input on the whole fuel topic? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'd like to add is that there's no doubt they are literally trying to create as much havoc uh, as much price, uh, uh, you know, pricing issues as, as possible when it comes to goods and services. It, it, it's like we're on a slow boil, and, and they're cranking it millimeter by millimeter, Bellas. They are, and I, I, I shared this information with a friend of mine who's who's uh, 
you know, business person I know out in my neck of the woods who's older than I am and very seasoned. And their comment was, okay, devil's advocate. How is this not just the oil industry? Because they were like, you know, Vellis, look, everybody knows, you know, major holidays coming up in the summer. Uh, July 4th is coming up, especially if July 4th is, let's say, a Monday or a Friday and people want to take advantage of the long weekend. You know, fuel prices always go up. You know, they're always, they're always trying to get a couple bucks out of us because they know we're going to be driving. And I said, your point is well taken. Well taken. I said, here's several problems. One, those are usually very short in duration. It's the week right before that happens, even if it is national. And I said, this has been going on for months, and it's diesel fuel, which is a transportation fuel. And I said, I don't want to use the word uh, coercion or cooperation or coordinations, but the net of it to me is, is for this to have gone on for months and for this to go on across so many states, you have so many state and federal regulatory agencies that would be involved by, dare I use the classic economics 101 classroom example of, of price fixing, and yet nothing's happening. And that says something. So another observation, uh, the border area between New Mexico and the panhandle of Oklahoma and Texas had some considerable rail traffic. Um, train engineers in one train can literally see the train in front of them. Uh, that's how close they are to one another. Huge amount of cargo of various kinds is moving through there in both directions. Uh, in some cases, the trains are so long, folks, they've got four engines on the front and two to three locomotives in the back. And that activity went on for like 50 miles. So um, is, is it an indicator of something or what might it be an indicator of? I have, I have no idea. However, it is taking place and uh, it certainly caught my attention. I have driven through that area before and it's a, it's a fairly active corridor for rail traffic, but, but not like that. So whether it was an outlier or whether it's indicative of something, I don't know, but you know, it is, a, it is a detail point I wanted to share. Um, another thing, everywhere I went, the roads are littered with every model of car and pickup truck bearing California license plates. Now, I don't mean that you're driving down the road and it's like, oh, look, another California plate. Um, there were times, I mean, I could be driving through Oklahoma and I would think I'm in California. There are so many cars and so many vehicles. So have no doubts, uh, the diaspora out of California is intense. Um, I posted a graphic on the Vellus page recently that actually was animated on the site where it came from, but it shows little dots moving out of California and like what states people are going to or whatever. But it, it, holy God, folks, it is considerable, absolutely considerable how many people are, are, are fleeing California. But to my point at the, at the lead in of the show, uh, if they can, and if they're in a position at this point that they can economically. Kansas has a very interesting problem right now as I drove through that state. Um, as you drive through the state, and I wasn't on the main interstates. I was on kind of like the state routes, you know, so it got a little rustic in some places where I was driving. But you'll periodically notice road lights who are bright blue or purple. And at first I thought, well, is that some sort of state thing where that's like an indicator there's a railroad track coming or, you know, what is that? No. I looked it up. Uh, there's a massive recall in Kansas and several other states for their commercial lights. 
Uh, there's a huge number of them out there with defects that are causing the unit that when it's first turned on, it has kind of the traditional white or amber color to it. And then it suddenly changes to blue or purple and they stay that way. And when I looked it up, literally tens of thousands of bulbs like per county across Kansas uh, and other states are in the process of being replaced. Now, why does this matter? Well, I started wondering and I thought, well, man, this begs the question, what else out there that's been bulk purchased by states or the federal government is also experiencing product defects? Because this, I mean, literally there was one county in Kansas that I think it was something like 29,000 lighting units have to be replaced. And I thought, that's a single county, <laughs> a single U.S. state. And this is, this is a problem across the board. So head scratcher. I wonder, I wonder how widespread this is, this is becoming with product defects. Um, $215. Yes, $215 is what a crate of lemons and limes is, is costing bartenders in Taos, New Mexico for their drinks, which is why they're not buying limes and lemons. That's uh, a big problem. I mean, CJ, this is going to affect the tequila supply, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> it's all local. Exactly. I even, I even told, I even told the bartender. I said, "Man, if I'd known, I said I would have gone to one of my grocery stores back in the Midwest and brought you guys a couple of bags of them." And I said, I could have saved you money and you could have resold them for, let's say, 50 bucks to, to other people in this area. The, uh, the, co- the cause, according to the bartenders I spoke to of the, of the price increase, is it's the drug cartels in Mexico. Some of you may have heard about the whole avocado thing, but it's, yeah. it's uh, far higher than that. Now, this may be isolated. It may last a short period of time. But I thought, man, you want to talk about some food inflation. That's, uh, that's a heck of an example. Um, and the last point on the whole, uh, you know, uh, tour, tour de velas here. Normally at this time of year, you'd see a lot of, of recreational vehicle or RV traffic, especially in the areas like New Mexico or Texas. And I saw very little. And that also applies to people with travel trailers or truck campers in certain states. Now, in 2008, I made a similar drive. I drove from my area of the country out to Idaho uh, and back. Back in 08, and you have to remember, we were going, or actually it was in 2009, you have to remember we were going through the whole economic hit in 08. But the thing that kind of caught my attention was the minute you got past Mississippi River in 2009, all of a sudden I started seeing the, the travel trailers and I started seeing the RVs and stuff back out on the road. So it was either a function of the economies there were doing better and or folks were kind of localizing where their travel was going kind of thing. In this case, it was nothing. There was just very, very little uh, I'm sure the fuel prices are playing a role. Yeah, uh, but I'm sure it's uh, it's uh, a number of other a number of other factors. And then, last but not least, was there were a number of times traveling through major cities. I expected much heavier traffic uh, than I saw. Uh, one of the cities I went through was St. Louis. Um, should have should have, in my opinion, traffic been much higher, and and it wasn't. So there you have it. Um, victories. Uh, I know many of you are always looking for the victory section. It's been a while since I've done one, so so let me go there. Um, moving into victories, just because we've won a battle doesn't mean we've won the war. Uh, always verify. Uh, when it comes to the schools, uh, several proactive parent groups have discovered even when school boards or officials have agreed to policy changes or the removal of CRT content, it does not mean that's happened. 
uh, in a number of cases, what's occurred is, is that um, NEA aligned teachers are refusing to comply. So always make sure to verify. Uh, the fact we know this is occurring enables people to know where to aim their attention rather than be unaware, and that is a victory. Yeah. And then, of course, again, remember, do not forget the power of injunctions against the appropriate parties, both uh, at the school level as well as the various insurance companies with their uh, liability, and to investigate legal challenges that are not being followed. Because if the resolution has passed, the ownership is now on the board and others to follow through with that. If it's not being done, it's up to them to enforce it. It's up to you to notify them it's not being enforced. Um, Hillsdale College is opening 50 charter high schools at the invitation of Tennessee's governor. Uh, I've known the Hillsdale College for many years. Uh, I read their newsletters and things. Um, whether a group like this is conservative or not, and they are, uh, is not the issue. It's a very good school with very sharp prof professors. Uh, reminds me of a lot of the conservative thinkers from back in Reagan's era. Um, they're one of those institutions that's up there with like St. Thomas Aquinas College that most people have never heard about. Uh, Hillsdale was the one who came up with the 1776 curriculum to combat the 1619 BLM themed content right. they've been pushing on schools. Hillsdale, Hillsdale has already set up 24 schools in 13 states, uh, like what's being proposed in Tennessee. So this will be interesting to see whether or not these charter schools succeed and uh, how much further uh, this goes. So, uh, kind of a, a heavier piece of content than I thought it would be, but um, actually, first, I got one more victory, which is um, I posted on April 11th uh, a book uh, which identifies uh, by Wayne Root, uh, which identifies the companies that should be boycotted based on policies like CRT and related globalist kind of policies. Uh, I'm speaking to Gus Demos, uh, often repeated comments about the economy that, you know, that's definitely something worth worth checking out. So the a heavier piece of my content today was was uh, as usual. It's a, a little unusual, but just bear with me. And uh, it's a theme I've mentioned a little bit more as of late, especially when it comes to folks like Patrick Ryan's kind of way of viewing things. Um, and by the way, slight sidebar: I've been I've been catching some of Patrick's latest postings, and I've really got to go sit in the sweat lodge with some tea leaves. <laughs> Because he's he's going in some directions where it's like I think I know what he's saying, but I really got to seriously consider and do some more some do some more research. But he has some rather mind blowing ideas about what what may in fact actually be taking place with this whole Twitter battle. But we'll get back to that another time. Yeah, so, uh, that, that's going to be pretty interesting because uh, the way I see it, I mean, Musk is um, is saying, look, either I buy your company out outright as a hostile takeover. Or I'm selling my shares now. If he sells his shares, he tanks Twitter. He exactly. It. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Well played. <laughs> yes. Well, and uh, he's driven up the price of the shares he's purchased by his action, and and right. you know that's that whole. Uh, and I, I tip my hat to V and and others far more schooled in this than I am. That's that whole disproportionate influence that major investors can have. Some of you may have also seen that BlackRock, uh, or actually it was Vanguard has weighed in trying to stop him, which, as I posted on Discord last night, to me is a very obvious sign of they and their mindsets uh, are threatened by any attempt to fiddle with Twitter. What's interesting, too, is if you look at what's going on with Twitter, folks, 
I wouldn't say it's losing money, but its its performance is not what it used to be. No, and it, so they, in- they have nobody there. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's very well versed in this matter, and he's like, "Listen, here's the deal: they have zero innovation. They have a they they haven't done anything. They haven't created a new product. They haven't created nothing. It, it's been at least five years since they rolled out Periscope and really have done nothing with it. It, it it's it's preposterous. It's also one of the reasons why Dorsey left." Because when they, you know, when they wanted to launch Twitter Blue, a subscription service for five dollars a month, they decided to do their banking through Stripe instead of instead of Square, which you know is owned by Dorsey. You know, so there really is a they're literally a company that's just sitting there, uh, you know, in their own poop, and they resting on their on their laurels, man. No innovation. Well, and I would point all of you when you think of Twitter. Just again, as usual, my opinion. When you think of Twitter, think of the following. Think of what happened with ESPN. We saw this start a few years ago, and I've, again, forgive me, I've mentioned it on prior shows. ESPN started adopting a, shall we say, ideological narrative. They were no longer reporting on sports per se, but trying to turn every sports situation into something about social engineering or whatever it might be. And their viewership, who, not to put too fine a point on it, was of a mindset that that doesn't work for them. So they started leaving the network in droves. Now, who owned ESPN? Disney. Disney. But what happened? Disney, a couple of years, I think maybe two years ago, and again, nobody called me out on this because I, I, I know I'm a little, a little off on this, but the net of it is, is about two years or so ago, Disney barely broke even. Yep. Because ESPN was like a massive bleeding wound. And I made a comment previously on Rogue where I said, there's only one reason why a major publicly traded corporation is going to allow one of its assets to lose that kind of money. I mean, say what you will about Jack Welch, and much can be said about Jack Welch over at GE, and I worked under Jack Welch, and I have a lot to say about Jack Welch, but Jack Welch would never allow GE Industrial to bleed that kind of cash. There's just no way. He'd, he'd, right he'd after he people. shot every single executive, yes. the division would be sold off or whatever. Exactly. And so where I'm going with this is ESPN has been bleeding huge amounts of money for years, for years. And this has gone on, which means it's intentional, which means the board and others are willing to bleed that kind of money because they're trying to achieve, whether by directed by others or whatever it may be, or pressure from BlackRock. We can get into that later. But they're under pressure to behave this way. And so coming back to Twitter, to V's point, Twitter has not been innovating, at least at the level of other Silicon Valley firms. Twitter has not been uh, as effective as others. They do still have a large audience. They do still have a huge community. And they have been uh, restraining and preventing certain kinds of content from appearing on that platform. Now, what gets very interesting in all of this, as I said, is not only private equity, but to take a piece or two of what Patrick Ryan's been talking about is the fact that the whole blue check thing, you're an approved poster, Twitter has checked you out, you know, you're a good member of the of the Communist Party in good standing, we're going to allow a little blue check to say that whoever posted this content is somebody that uh, our institution, Twitter, trusts, what have you. Patrick Ryan has been talking a lot about the fact that some of, well, a good portion 
of people who are posting content on Twitter and have blue check approval are in fact foreign governments and foreign governments bots. And so Patrick is going, and again, I've got to dig more into what Ryan is saying because as usual, it's, it's mysteries wrapped in riddles surrounded by fog. And I know why Ryan has to do that, but, and God love him for it by making us all, you know, work for the answer. But where I'm going with this is, is he, his implication is, is that if you want to understand who's really in charge of media and communication in the United States, that there, and I would certainly agree with this, you have a huge number of foreign governments or foreign powers, shall we say, because at this point we're dealing with people that aren't governments. Uh, and again, to use the lingo of political science, international affairs, we're talking about what's known as a transnational regime. What does that mean? Well, that's a government-like group that has the power of a government, but is not a government and has no national borders. Um, What are some examples of that, just to kind of clarify? Well, the Polish government uh, in in exile during World War II is an example. Uh, The mafia, in any mafia, Cosa Nostra of Italy, the Avrititi of Russia, the the Yakuza, well, what was the Yakuza of Japan? These are all transnational regimes. BlackRock could be argued is a transnational regime. Yeah. So what Patrick Ryan is talking about is is that there are people out there influencing media in the United States that are all of these different players and that Musk's moves may in fact be a move to shut that down, just to stop that from happening. And you could make the argument strongly that this dovetails into the whole thing UV have been talking about that Jamie Dimon and other major bankers. Gold and again, Bank. folks, yep. and CJ said it well, <laughs> this is not a function of the good guys versus the bad guys. No, no, no. These are, we, are, we are, to quote from Babylon 5, giants in the playground. We are just trying to stay out from under their feet. But yep. all of these powerful players have their various agendas, and there's a whole bunch of them that have basically, and I'm just pontificating, have been standing there with their arms folded, watching BlackRock, watching the World Economic Forum, watching all of the various three-lettered groups we talk about, the Bilderbergers, the CFCs, etc. CFR, pardon me. And it's like, fine, we're going to let you guys run this. We're going to let you guys and gals run this. And it's like, okay, you've been running this for three or four years now, and uh, holy God, you guys have made a mess of everything. So we're stepping in. Because you're you're screwing with your big money is screwing with our big money, and so now we gotta now we gotta make a move. And I've to to go there. I've never seen Elon Musk make make a move without having others working. He's not Howard Hughes. He's he's he may act like Howard Hughes, but he always makes moves, in my opinion, with others of like mind yep. backing him. He he rarely, if ever, truly acts unilaterally. And I assure you, he's working with Peter Thiel on this one. Yes, and I would go even one step further. And and I know people will often say, well, the U.S. intelligence community is involved in whatever. As I often say, there's a lot of U.S. intelligence communities, plural, and that goes even inside the CIA. There are many factions inside the CIA with their own agendas. Yep. Every time you think you see Elon Musk act, acting unilaterally, I'm going to throw a coin in the pond and tell you all that 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 wasn't unilateral. It most probably was him acting in concert with with U.S. intelligence because he's, as I covered on another show, Musk is working a lot 
with the alternative energy people on a ton of crap. So if he's yep. involved in this, he's 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 got some backing. So I mean, if for a loose definition, for lack of a better word, uh, because we like to categorize things, um, it's our human nature to do so. This would be a kind of like a white hat move. Okay? Yes, because it's the the Musk is working with the same Pentagon factions who said uh, no. Russia did not commit genocide in Ukraine. No, we're not putting up a a a a, um, a you know closed airspace. We're not putting up combat air patrols. We're not doing any of that. No, we're not doing that. That faction, the same faction that helped leak the Pentagon Papers to Seymour Hersh, is the same faction. The guys who still have sense. The guys, the you know the the men and women that are still there that sees America as a great country amongst great countries that have not quietly gone into the night, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Sky Queen, I think it was you. Somebody made a comment about the uh, person who left a ton of money to Hillsdale in their, in their foundation. Thank you. Thank you for posting that. So my last item, I'm calling direct action. Some of you may recall the meaning of that word when it comes to French intelligence. This is the point in my conversation when you need to attach the four point harnesses. So here we go. Um, At Rogue, we've covered a lot, and we often do, about behind-the-scenes things in economics and politics. We cover the names of players most people have rarely heard about. Lord Malik Brown, I'm looking in your direction. And in parallel with our coverage in the political, strategic, and economic events, um, need you to consider the global elite dynamics and rules as well. Because uh, I assure you, there are rules to what the elites do. If there weren't rules, even if those rules are implied, things in the world would be in a far bigger free-for-all right now than they already are. And as I've said before, when powerful people do not get their way or are threatened or realize they've been betrayed, war is not necessarily their first choice. So what am I talking about? I think widespread assassination is going to increase globally among the world's elites if it hasn't already started. Mm. If a thermobaric bomb can be detonated in Tennessee at Christmas by a quote-unquote lone bomber, and I say that in the genre of a lone gunman, if an entire data center of one of the world's largest French telecommunication hosting firms can be burned to the ground in France, you can certainly take out a single person. Easily. And logically, there's going to come a time when a group of powerful elites are simply left without a chair when the music stops. Please reference the conversation V and I just had with you. The music in this case being the digital economy and the Great Reset. There are also elites for whom traditional blackmail does not have the power it once did. Now, again, I'm, I'm credit where credit is due. That's a lot of Patrick Ryan's thinking. And his comment about there is inflation in the world's blackmail currently reducing its value, you know, vis-a-vis Islaine Maxwell. Carefully managed assassination is and has always been part of the international environment from Roman times and even prior. I've often quoted from the the book and the, the movie series Dune, who uses the term canly, where there was actually a agreed upon set of rules around assassination. Um, because if you also look at the history of the Italian city-states, there were very specific rules about powerful families fighting it out and under what circumstances was assassination allowed. Now, dovetailing from a show I did where um, 
strangely enough, the video clip I used was allowed to stay on YouTube, but yet if I even touch Miami Vice, we're off the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this was the clip we used from the movie Executive Action, where the two characters are walking in the garden uh, with uh, Burt Lancaster, and the, the one executive tells him, you know, we've got to get the world's population down to about a billion or half a million or, or 500 million people. Uh, it can be done. Uh, this is how we're going to do it. And I commented to all of you when I played that clip and I said, Jesus, this sounds just like, you know, everything from the Georgia Guidestones to, to uh, Klaus Schwab. Every U.S. president has an assassination program. Yeah. And those assassination programs have a name. And that's how they, as weird as this sounds, that's how they keep track of what was done under each of them. And the information about what those uh, programs are called is actually in the public domain in case the NSA is reaching for the button right now. Um, so the movie Executive Action was called Executive Action because that was the name of Kennedy's program. And it was a, a subtle move by the producers of the movie implying he was killed by his own program or people in his own program. And forgive the snarky comment, if you think that program didn't exist, just ask the former dead president of South Vietnam who was killed under Kennedy's administration. Um, in fact, in President Obama's administration, they were using uh, drone strikes and they had whatever it was, Thursday lunch. It was a weird, wonky term they used to, used to use, like kill lunches or whatever, where they would decide who was going to get whacked that week. Um, so there's a danger for us right now, should this start to occur, since the end of the Cold War, a lot of people went into free agency as the East-West ideological conflict uh, was over. Thank you, Crypto Cowboy. Touche, sir. Touche. Um, some of you may have seen the movie Ronin, which kind of references that. Love that, that all movie. These, all these people went, in, went into free agency. And following the end of the Cold War in 91, uh, a number of private security and mercenary firms and less known private organizations came into being. And, and many years later, this was Eric Prince and BlackRock, which then became Z, which then became whatever, and various pieces of it have been bought and sold by other firms. And governments around the world, uh, there's even policy papers. Even if you start reading foreign policy review and in, in, in foreign affairs magazines, which are mouthpieces of the Council on Foreign Relations and other types of organizations, even they have talked about, they loosely describe it as various governments using these assets rather than their own military, but that's kind of a wink and a nod that it's the United States, it's France, it's other, other major players. And of course, when it comes to assassination, there's an old um, rumor or story out there that, that Sardinia, uh, the island there in the, in the Mediterranean uh, near Crete and so on, that Sardinia, Sardinia has had families who specialize in assassination for generations. Yeah. And now we've got what in the public domain? Take, take, I know that's hard to do, but take the emotion out of what's going on in Ukraine. We now have a number of articles where I just saw one the other day about an interview with, with Spanish mercenaries uh, and other mercenaries that, that are operating in Ukraine. But it's not just Ukraine, uh, from Africa to Syria to places many of you may not even be familiar with where that's located. Uh, there's huge numbers of these people out there. And my point is, is we are dealing with a historically larger than normal population of these kinds of resources. And of course, strangely enough, uh, the market, if you will, being what it is, uh, competition lowers prices. 
making access to and use of these resources more economic. Not to mention, again, taking out a person can be tricky, but depending on the target, it's a lot easier than overthrowing a government or fighting a war. Please see uh, my often repeated comments about the British private equity firm that tried to take over Bolivia to access their their bauxite. So we're going to have to remain vigilant as we move forward and keep an eye out for unusual deaths or even near-death events of both public profile and more hidden powerful people. Now, I'll offer you the following, too. This just occurred a day or two ago. I'm not saying this is proof of what I'm talking about. I'm just saying it looks like it, it, it could be. Just this week, a Microsoft executive was killed in Florida, Jared Bridegan. Yeah. He was taking a route he normally took home, had his kid in the back in a, in a baby seat, and he found a tire blocking his road. So he got out to move the tire and was, in my opinion, very professionally shot and killed. This is exactly how you pull something like this off, especially, and I hate to say this, with somebody who, there are executives I used to work with in Washington that came from big banks and things, uh, you know, even places like Chase, who would often say, once you hit a certain level of the, of the corporation, um, they would put you through the whole security training. Even, even when I worked for MCI WorldCom, if you spent a lot of time in the Middle East or, or especially we're traveling down to South America for your clients, we had these entire programs. We had special programs just for women and their, their personal safety and well-being, depending on the country. I'm not going to get into all of that, but you all can kind of figure in certain countries where the view of women is, is a bit uh, misogynistic. Um, but we had these programs about you know what the what the uh, British troops in in Ulster up in Northern Ireland used to call the Ulster Swagger, where they the troops were taught how to kind of like the way tank commanders do, where they're each kind of rotating their their turrets as they move through enemy territory. The Ulster Swagger is where the troops were taught to kind of slowly rotate in such a way that each soldier is always covering a particular area as they would work through through an area. Um, I've spoken to, to colleagues and coworkers that went through this kind of orientation, and it was always the same rules. Never travel alone. Always make sure that you got somebody keeping an eye behind you. Leverage windows if you're walking near buildings or holding up cell phones but not having it turned on so you can use it to look behind you. Um, and always being aware of your, your situational awareness. For people that don't think they might ever be a target, what happened to Mr. Bridegan, and again, I have no idea. It could be anything as behind what happened to him. It could just be theft. But doing something that blocks a road, I mean, that's that's Hollywood movie 101 kind of, kind of yeah, that's stuff. That's a hit, man. That's a serious hit. And why this guy was gunned down, is, it's incredible. Well, and, and it's the usual story, folks. To, from what I've read in the news, his child was left alone, thank God. Um, and none of his personal effects were taken. You know, hit. yeah, the, you know, that or we've got something domestic going on where he pissed off somebody else's wife, who knows. But I'm just saying that one, le- as I'm writing up this material about, about assassination, I saw that story in the news, I scratched my head and I'm like, well, there you go. Uh, there's, there's a perfect example of something, uh, uh, something. I mean, that Vellis, could- I mean la- last time we were at the stage was, uh, I believe it was November of 2000 and uh, 12, uh, and when I warned my first warning about the hits that were about to happen in Wall Street, then again on, on January, uh, yeah, in January 2013, I repeated that warning on two different uh, uh, shows, one in Canada, one in the U.S., 
And uh, I said there's going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, a uh, bunch of bankers dropping dead and, and you know, taking uh, flying lessons out of a window. And boom, I mean, that the, then six months during that year of 2013, we've had just that year alone, I think we had about 53 guys who were whacked. I mean, the most strangest incidents you 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 never imagine. This was right after the whole London whale debacle. But right, we're, Gil- we're we're right there again. Yeah, and Gilbert Nowak uh, posted a comment to that effect too. Plus, you know, again, folks, remember um, the Panama Papers incident. You know, uh, that data came out. Uh, one of the many law firms out there that that you know manage laundering and so on. That event occurred. A uh, whole bunch of people died. Um, one of my personal favorites because it it dovetailed into a graduate paper I wrote. I was I was writing a graduate paper on the development of nuclear weapons in both Brazil and Argentina because uh, you know for those of you who know those two countries really do not get along, uh, and they're both they're both wanting to be the.
70. Uh, yeah, your uh, comment about Apocalypto is well taken. Um, I got one more item uh, I wanted to cover. And folks, because um, Harley, we're going to be rescheduling Harley. Um, I want to fit one more item in uh, today. It is it is something that came up this week. Um, there was a recent podcast by Russell Brand. Uh, I've mentioned Russell before. You know, he's equally a little of one side or another, but but he's really been having some pretty good content uh, the last year and, and change. Um, he had some data from a website called Unusual Whales, uh, as in like whales out of the ocean, um, in their report, Congressional Trading in 2021. And speaking of, you know, corruption and the system in which we live, um, in 2021, only three hedge funds beat the market but 35 politicians in Congress beat the market. So hedge funds, whose entire business model is based on understanding the financial markets globally, lost money. But our elected representatives have outperformed them. <laughs> and from the yep. same report, there's a direct correlation between uh, government legislation or bills being debated in the Senate and the House and a sudden flurry of stock trades prior to passage of those same bills. Some of you may recall V had the website that he offered a while back where you can go look up various elected representatives and their portfolios. Uh, then per the Business Insider uh, website, during the beginnings of COVID, 75 U.S. government representatives were executing considerable trades in pharmaceutical firms who were the same companies being considered by the U.S. government for COVID treatment programs. But wait, there's more. There's a spouse loophole that enables spouses of members of the government, Nancy Pelosi, I'm looking in your husband's direction, to invest in areas that that government official cannot invest. And I believe uh, Crow, or Crow, I'm terribly sorry, Brand was being a little uh, sly about this. Um, but he opened his show by discussing the Republican representative, which I covered two weeks ago, who was talking about sex parties and cocaine in D.C., yeah, Cawthorn. Yeah, medicine. and he, he felt that that actually was a distraction by design because topics like these trades were getting more and more coverage in the media until that guy started talking about hookers and cocaine, which nothing will distract the public faster than hookers and cocaine. So just food, food for thought on top of all the other things we've covered, uh, covered today. And I've got half of I've got half of next week's show already written, so <laughs> I'm I'm locked and loaded and ready to go, folks. But uh, have a uh, you know have a good uh, holiday this this weekend, everybody. And uh, if you're Orthodox like me, I'll I'll see you next Sunday. And uh, for those observing Ramadan, uh, hang in there because I know you're not drinking any uh, any water or have anything to eat until the sun sets in Mecca. Absolutely. Folks, thank you all for listening in. We do not have Harley uh, uh, today because of the holidays. Uh, it's, it's a holiday in Germany, and uh, you know he's got to be there for his family. Uh, so uh, next week, regular scheduled broadcast, and I think we've gotten a few. There's some good news here. Here's another victory. We've gotten two of our strikes removed from YouTube. Woohoo! Uh, I yeah. So I will be able to go onto YouTube probably Monday. Uh, and make an announcement for everybody that's still going back to YouTube, trying to find out where the hell we are. Uh, I'm gonna make an announcement and uh, and on YouTube so people can find us and probably use YouTube as a way of of directing traffic 
to you know follow us on Twitch and D Live, Rumble, um, Google Podcast, Google uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all that other good stuff. So this way, y'all could follow us, and uh, then we got to figure out you know what to do uh, with YouTube uh, and in terms of uh, you know what shows do we do there. We got to be PG, rated PG, no cursing, no nothing. So that means Gus can't do Cuss with Gus. <laughs> Cuss with Gus is exclusively on our other our other places. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Well, so, and I've I've also noticed that about two or three thousand folks have dropped off the uh, uh, subscriber list. But my first thought about dude, that was is we've that we've lost ten thousand people. Well, we may have lost ten thousand bots. I have a feeling that's, yeah, that that's that's also another thing. Yeah, we could we could have lost ten thousand bots. Some of those systems bugs. will time out if we're if we're. Uh, no, which which may yeah. may buy us some time. It could, it could, absolutely. I think we probably have maybe forty to fifty thousand actual real human beings, which is significant. You know, the, I I used to think of it. I remember when I had like, uh, you know, ten thousand subs. I was like, man, I only have ten thousand subs. And then my wife made a point. You know, my wife made a point to me a few weeks ago. So she's like, think think about you being in a room and you got four thousand right. people. Or 5, exactly. People in an auditorium. I'm like, wow, that's it's a unique way of thinking. It that's powerful. That's well, powerful. it's all, it's also like the folks I see that have maybe uh, you know 50,000 subscribers or what have you, but they post a program or a clip where several million people have watched it. It's like, well, well, touche. Yeah, yeah. Because that exactly. that means people have been handing it around. Yep, 100. percent All right, folks, we are done for the day. Enjoy your weekends. Rogue News, we will be back Monday. Keep it locked and loaded right here. And with that being said, we're over and out. Cheers.